up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. We are in episode 261, and before I start, let me just say, I'm closing in on 15,000 downloads. We've had some enormous growth in the last several weeks. Keep it up. Like, share, comment, subscribe to the show. I have no idea how many people actually listen because they don't track that. They only track downloads, and I've had an explosion over the last month or two of downloads. It's exciting. It's interesting. It's, I guess, a fruition of over a year's worth of work. I don't know, but it's it's encouraging. We're, we're, my little action is making a difference. The little ripples are moving across the proverbial pond. So today's episode is going to be Wake Up Wednesday. What do I mean? Good question. We have seen an enormous amount of things that have played out over the last couple of years. I've outlined a good number of them on this show for over a year. Now, I expect some of you uh, are familiar with them. that You know what I'm talking about. And in the event that you don't, let me just tell you that what we see... <laughs> isn't necessarily reality. What we hear oftentimes is the exact opposite of reality. And quite frankly, what we're told is almost often a lie as it is any partial truth. So the question is, is what is real? Well, there's a very good question. I don't know that I can give you a good answer, but I can tell you if you're awake, in other words, if you are paying attention, if you see what's going on, you can more easily determine that which is real and that which is not. Now, you may be wondering, well, Callus, man, you, you skipped your uh, Texas Tuesday. Yes, I did. Uh, you know, there's something being called a too much of a good thing. So I, I mixed it up just a little bit this week and the reason why I'm using this title Wake Up Wednesday is because, one, I want to see if you're awake, if you've been paying attention. Yes, for months I've been doing a Texas Tuesday. I, I think it's important that people realize that there are options, there are actions we can take to improve the situation we're in. Most of those can be accomplished under a peaceful means. We want a peaceful solution. Now, we're being manipulated and this is why it matters. This is why you need to be awake. So you can see the manipulation. Now, there's another podcast that I've listened to a lot in the past. And he references the Fenords. If you're not familiar with what a Fenord is, I recommend you go look it up. Uh, it'll give you a point of reference. But basically, it's a disinformation that's put in front of you. And you don't notice it unless you're awake. And you're like, oh, now I see what that is. I see where they're trying to tell me something, something that it isn't. They're confusing the matter. They're lying to me. So retroactively, it's very easy for most people to go back and see they've been lying to us for multiple years on the flu. They've been ginning up excuses to get involved in a war that doesn't require our input it's a border skirmish between two cousins i would say who cares but the fact of the matter is is people are dying so 
invariably as a human, as a person, you care about that death, but you also realize it's not your fight. But again, you're being manipulated. They're trying to tell us that we don't have really high inflation, that we're not in a recession. But if you just look with your own eyes and a half a brain, you can see that what which they're telling you is not true. They're lying to you. How do you fix it? Ah, therein lies the rub. That is kind of what I try and address a little bit each and every day that I'm here is what can you do? But none of it matters if you're not awake, if you can't see what's real and what's not. Now, if you set aside this spiritual aspect, because I'm hoping and thinking that a number of you um, don't necessarily see things the way I do or don't necessarily believe the way I do, but you're at least open to a discussion or what I have to say regarding things around us. So I don't wish to alienate you by always referencing my Christianity or always saying that outside of that it's irrelevant because I don't believe that. I think a lot of people can be very influential and very helpful that aren't necessarily perfectly aligned. We work together to take on a bigger problem. And we've got a lot of big problems. We have... uh, for lack of a better word, the oligarchy, whether it's the local oligarchy, the state oligarchy, the national oligarchy, or the intranational oligarchy that seeks to enslave us, figuratively and perhaps literally. But we don't know this because we're always being shown something to keep our reality apart from what's really going on. So now... The greater question or the follow-up question is, well, what matters? You know, what what does this mean to me? Okay, fair question. If you know what's real, if you know what motivates you, for lack of a better word, if you if you can determine what's important, you can work on that. For me, I've I've always taken the tack that my family, the needs of my family, the protection of my family comes above me personally. I've also taken the idea that my general community around me is very important. And to the extent that I'm able, I'm involved. I seek to influence the outcome. I seek to have input to those around me, friends, family, you know, neighbors, to the extent that is possible. And it's not always possible, and you shouldn't be involved in every little thing that goes on because you'd spread yourself far too thin. So you have to determine what matters. What's the most important issue to you? What what are the several things that you actually have, I don't know, some expertise in or some knowledge related to it that you might also be able to influence? Now, I referenced the idea that I'd gone to multiple school board meetings over the last year. I haven't been to one in several months, first because of travel and then second just because of conflicts, but they're fighting the good fight. They don't really need me there anymore. That's that's kind of grown on its own. In fact, now it's spread. They're fighting the good fight in Frisco. They're fighting the good fight in Prosper. Some of that can be accomplished by uh, just my friend Kyle showing up and stirring the pot, but some of it is the actual good work and the Long hours put in by those grassroots individuals in those individual communities. Now, those communities 
are benefiting by people that actually care and see what's going on and are involved. Now, I, I'm kind of mixed on this because on the one hand, I just soon all the government schools go away. But on the other hand, I realize that there are a good number of people within my community and neighboring communities that for whatever reason are dependent upon or find it necessary to utilize those government schools. So they're trying to make them the best they can be. They're trying to push back the darkness that isn't creeping upon it. Or should I say encroaching upon it, right? Creeping in, encroaching on, eh, both are good similes. But I will tell you that I'm of the belief, and I've said this more than one occasion, that the government schools are doing exactly what they were designed to do. But if there's not a better choice for you, there's not a better option for you, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm not going to look down upon you. I'm not going to say that perhaps you're not making the best decision or best choice for your family at this time. Because I have done that myself. It was the best decision at a time to do that and to take advantage of that. But as the schools continue to degrade, as the schools go further and further off the rails, you can either fix them or leave them. And if you have the opportunity and the ability I would say leave while you still can. But if you don't, then that's the fight. That's the fight you have right in front of you. And we've got people that are doing that fight. They need help. They need us. They need you to join in. Now, not everybody's cut out to do a podcast. Not everybody's cut out to be an elected official or even a candidate. Not everybody's cut out to go stand up at a board meeting and call them out and say they're doing the wrong thing or question what they're trying to accomplish. Not everybody can do that. Some people could donate money. Some could donate time. Some could write nice letters or emails. Some could encourage their friends to get involved. Some could fundraise. Everybody can do something. But you have to be willing to do it. You have to see the value. You have to determine internally that it matters. And I can't make you do that. I can show up at my podcast a couple times a week and say, hey, this is going on. I think you should be involved. If this is something that's important to you, then I would ask that you invest your time and your money and your efforts to do something about it. But if it doesn't, that's okay because there's a half a dozen other things that might be of interest to you. Which leads me to the next question. Why work? Well, Most of us work because we need an income to pay for our lives. Some people actually like their work and get an income for it. And that's great. Everybody should aspire to be in that position. Some people just make peace with, I don't necessarily have the perfect job for me, but the job I have with the money I make allows me to do other things which are productive or important to me. So therefore, I like my job. I think I have a good situation. And I will tell you, for me personally, that's where I'm at. I don't know what your situation is. But when I ask the question, why work? It's really a follow-up to what matters to you. And if this matters, why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing something to improve it? For instance, the city I live in. It's grown quite a bit in the last 25 years. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. Some of it's been a little bit of, uh, shall we say, bait and switch. 
oh, we're going to develop this. So we're going to put in some nice businesses and we're, we're going to make this very attractive for companies to move in. And the next thing you know, you got a couple thousand more apartments. Now, it's nothing unique to McKinney. It happens in Allen. It happens in Plano. It happens in Frisco. And nobody hates apartments. They're a necessary evil. But at what percentage do you need them? I don't know. If you've got 200,000 people living in your city, do you really need more than 10% of those people living in apartments? They're kind of a transient population. They're not really tied to their community. Can you do well with 10% of your population with that? I don't know. That's an interesting study. Perhaps I'll look it up and find out. But if you're at 20 or 30% at that point, does it become detrimental? Does it become a problem? Good question. One would suggest based upon, well, I don't know, our lying eyes and some basic observations that more people, which happens generally in a higher population density when you have more apartments because they're more compact, tends to lead to more crime. Now, is that necessarily reliant upon the type of people that move in those apartments? No, not entirely. There may be some correlation, but not necessarily causation. But again, if you live in a desirable part of the community or a desirable part of the Metroplex, people will want to naturally move here. And they may not have the money to afford a half a million dollar house, but perhaps they can afford, I don't know, $2,000 or $2,500 or $3,000 to get an apartment or a rental home. Should we begrudge them that? Should we... Be upset that people say, well, you know, McKinney, McKinney schools aren't perfect, but if I live in McKinney, depending where I live in McKinney, maybe I can go to Allen, maybe I can go to Prosper, maybe I can go to Princeton, maybe I can go to Frisco. There's seven, I guess, different school districts that service the city of McKinney. So depending on where you live in the city, you have options. You know, so McKinney used to be an A-rated school district. We went to a B and now we're a lower B. Well, why is that? Good question. But we're not allowed to ask that question at the school board because they're not really interested in what we think or what we say based upon their own actions. And we have one member of the school board who actually wants to ask some questions and figure out what's happening, but that's the guy that gets silenced. That's the guy that's being abused, (laughs) both literally and figuratively now, because he dares to ask the questions. He dares to question the narrative. Want to have the, uh, I don't know, the superintendent explain how did we go from an A to a B to a lower B? And what are you doing to fix it? Now, I know a lot of school districts like to blame the kids. They like to blame the quality of the kids. Or they put it off on the teachers. And then the teachers immediately say, well, I'm not able to teach because I have to babysit 35 kids in a classroom. And I don't have time to prep for my next class. And I have to accommodate all these requirements the school district puts on me, so I spend a lot of time doing paperwork. And my 40-hour work week job becomes 65 or 70 hours. Okay, fair enough. My answer is quit. If it's such a terrible job, then don't do it. I mean, you can't say on the one hand that it's my calling and I'm a hero and I need to do this And then complain about it all the time, saying that you're underpaid and whatever else, because it's your calling. I'm confused. Pick a side. But again, if your work matters and you're doing it and it matters to you, 
There's absolutely nothing wrong to want to get paid for what you're doing. There's nothing wrong for being compensated appropriately. Nobody's saying that. But you can't claim to be both a hero and have a calling and then say, well, I'm a professional and I demand that I get paid this or I'm not willing to work. The two are counterproductive or counterintuitive, if you will. I'm suggesting that it might be useful rather than, I don't know, organizing and creating another union-esque situation, just go to the principal or go to the members of the school board and say, this is what we're looking at. We spend X amount of hours of our day doing paperwork, which is not productive and doesn't help us do our primary job, which is to educate young children to become young adults, to become independent adults. Perhaps we should look at not doing some of these things. We should maybe narrow our focus. I would like to hear that feedback. If you're a teacher, give me your feedback. I mean, I hear bits and pieces, but honestly, a lot of teachers are just fearful because they'll be attacked or they might lose their job or, you know, I'm not a leftist, so I'm not going to go out of my way to just throw money at an issue. But on the flip side, if I can see clearly that we have a problem here. And this is what's causing the problem, or this is contributing to the problem. How can we better solve this? How can we better address this? Sometimes it means a little more money here or a little less money here, or maybe we change up the mix of personnel. These are all things that could be discussed if we were to actually have an open discussion. If we were to be, I don't know, worthy of your time. Now, I will grant you, some of people on my side can be a little... Unfriendly. You got to ask yourself why they feel that way. Have you been to a school board meeting? Just saying. But if you want to be advocated for, if you want to be championed for, you have to communicate with people outside of your own bubble. That's what I try and do in my podcast. I try and reach out to people that don't necessarily completely align with me, that maybe are eh, 10 degrees off to 50 degrees off. That's okay. We want to be able to communicate. We want to have a dialogue. We want to do something better. Clearly what we're doing is not making things better. It's getting slowly worse. But when you're not allowed to have a conversation, when you're not allowed to disagree publicly, that's a problem. We see that at most of the school boards and we clearly see it at several city councils. This is the party line and you must go along with it. Now, some of you may recall, we did have somebody that was conservative or right of center that used to serve on the city council in McKinney. That person was almost always the lone no vote. Or best case scenario was five to two. And I imagine after a certain amount of time, that beats an individual down and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. It's not worth it. I'm always getting outvoted. Nobody listens to what I want to say. No, Nobody cares about our concerns. But where were our people? Where were the people that had that person's back? Where, where were the people that were concerned in the community? And the fact of the matter is, is they're not awake, so they don't know what's going on. None of it really matters to them because, well, some of them are transient and some of them just don't care because, well, that part of town, nobody really cares about that. Now, some people want to make it about race. Some people want to make it about the wrong side of town. Some people want to make historical references and all that for absolutely honest. 
maybe is not without merit. Maybe there's something to it. But I will tell you that as a city grows, the city's obligation is to grow and keep growing. And that means that they're going to focus on their outward growth and they're going to be less concerned about fixing things that are in the interior of the city. Now, that's a bad idea. And in long term, that comes back to bite them. But it's how every city is everywhere. There's no return on your investment by fixing something in the central part of the city. You're always looking to grow out. Now, whether or not that's the best investment, I don't know. But that's the way cities work. And very little that has to do with anything other than there's money over there than not here. The corollary, the corollary, corollary thought process is this. You need to be awake, but not necessarily woke. Now, our woke culture, (laughs) uh, it's got a lot of people stirred up. A lot of it's legitimate pushback. A lot of it's legitimate concern. Woke culture really hasn't done anybody any good. It makes a whole lot of people skittish. It makes a whole lot of people worried and full of angst. And I might upset this person or I might hurt this person's feelings. When really, uh, the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim. Now, we've got an entire generation of uh, people that you can't even look at or they might wilt. But we can fix that. All is not lost. But part of being awake means you're aware there's a conversation taking place. You're aware that there's more than one point of view. That you're aware that just because this is what you've always heard doesn't make it necessarily true. Whereas the woke culture typically says everything you thought you knew is wrong. And what we're telling you now is true. But the problem is it's clearly not true. They can't define what a woman is. They can't define whether or not somebody is a man or a woman. They can't define um, much of anything. Their, uh, shall we call it, lowest common denominator is if you're white, if you're male, if you're cisgendered male, excuse me, uh, Christian, you are the problem by default. What I would suggest to these very same people, perhaps... You should go visit, oh, I don't know, the Middle East, Africa, Asia, maybe even parts of Europe that are overrun with people from Africa, Asia. I'm just saying. There's a whole wide world out there and different uh, factions of our world have run other different parts of the world several times over. And just because somebody's in charge now doesn't mean they're going to be in charge in 100 years, much less 500 years. And anybody that's been paying attention sees what's going on is we have a empire beginning to collapse or decline. And we have at least one beginning. And we have a resurgence of, let's call it, Eastern Europe. None of these are inherently bad. Now, the people that run some of these countries are probably equally bad, if not worse, than some of the people that run our empire. And they don't necessarily think anything better or worse of their people than what our leaders do. But if you're awake and you acknowledge this and you see that they're manipulating to hate your brother... 
The guy down the street that's never done you any harm. Because of the way he looks, the way he sounds, where he was born, who his parents are. That's non-productive. That's foolish. But if you wake up to the idea that there's a cabal, there is a oligarchy, there is whatever you want to call the deep state at multiple levels that is seeking to manipulate its people so that they can stay in power. Now, whether you want to believe it or not, some of that exists at the municipal level. Whether it's Plano, whether it's Frisco, whether it's McKinney, or even Allen. Now, Allen's doing a better job of fighting back than the other three. But that clique, if you will, that runs those municipal cities is basically driven off growth, developers, and the service associations slash unions. If we'll just keep them happy, they'll help us stay in power. And the longer we stay in power, the more we can manipulate the system. And the more we can manipulate the system, the more our friends make more money. And the more money they make helps us stay in power. It's a big circle. Now, they used to sell us on the idea that they were looking out for the bigger picture. That they were looking towards the future. That they were looking to benefit all of us. Do you still believe that? I mean, I'm sure somebody thought it was a great idea to have a campus for UNT. I don't know, five miles from another campus for UNT? Oh, that higher learning center on 121.75? Yeah, UNT was there. But then they decided they were going to be on Preston off of Virginia. Because, I don't know, the city of Frisco decided, well, we'll give you a whole lot of money if you'll just come here. Okay. Now, to be fair, UNT is a second or third tier college as far as state colleges go in Texas. And I can say that freely because I'm an alma mater there. And it doesn't offend me and it shouldn't offend you. It was a commuter school. And it became an upper scale university, I guess. But to what end? So you can go spend $30,000 a year to get a degree in bitterness studies and try and have a career to pay off the mountain of debt that you've taken in order to, I don't know, make yourself more valuable. There's no easy solution for any of this. Cities feel obligated to bring in attractions or bring in businesses. And they figure out, well, this business or this company moving in here is going to net me. And I'm going to make numbers up because quite frankly... Who knows if they're real or not, but we're going to net a million dollars so I can turn around and give that company $950,000 worth of benefits or freebies to encourage them to move here. And we still net $50,000. Well, who nets that? The city does. The people that get the business that next to them, maybe they benefit. Maybe the property owner benefits. Maybe not. There's been much to do and much complaining about what kind of business is going in down the, on the corner. What business is going to be fronted on 75? What I would say to you is the business that wants to pay to be there is the one that you want there. Somebody that's willing to invest their money or take the risk of putting a business in is somebody that you want in your town. And when your city makes it difficult or challenging for a business to come into your town, it makes it less likely that somebody's going to want to take that risk or make that investment 
And you got to ask yourself, is the city doing what's best for the city? When I mean the city, I mean the city leadership, the city government. Are they doing what's best for the city when they make it extremely difficult for anybody to move their business here? Unless it's their special targeted business that they gave a bunch of money to offset their expenses. I don't know. I mean, we have a Sheridan Hotel that we may or may not need, but nobody knows because it's subsidized on 121 and 75. I mean, seems to me if uh, the city of McKinney's paying for it, then perhaps the city of McKinney ought to be able to use it for free. I mean, just saying. But we don't want that either because now you've got business and government intertwined and that has some disastrous historical results for those of you that are not aware. So I say to you, wake up, look around you, believe what you're seeing, believe what you observe with your own life, pay attention to, hey, that bill is a lot higher this year than it was last year. Things aren't right. Pay attention to that. Turn off the TV. Turn off most of the radio. Don't trust anything you hear without checking it first. That goes for me too. Just because I tell you something or just because I think something doesn't always mean I'm right. If I'm wrong, tell me. If And if you show me where I'm wrong, I'll be quick to admit, hey, you know what? I got this one wrong. This is what it really is, or this is the real issue at play here. I'm not afraid. I will tell you firsthand, every episode I do is pretty much off the cuff. I think about it during the course of the day. I get a couple of ideas. You know, one of the big takeaways from today is I I listen to a bunch of podcasts during the day, but I was listening to a program, uh, Sovereign Nations. They had a guy by the name of James Lindsay on there and they're talking and Charlie Kirk for that matter. They were talking about how did we get where we're at and why is everything on the same page all of a sudden? All this kind of crazy stuff is being promoted at exactly the same time everywhere. Tell me that wasn't a plan. Now, if you're awake, you see that you recognize it for what it is. But if you're not, miss it. Now, if you're woke, you're happy. You want this. The other thing that I'll check in on is something called Out Front. A guy by the name of Mike Shelby, I think, puts it on. He's down in Austin. What he tells you is you need to invest in your community. You need to know the people around you. You even need to go so far as to investigate the area around you. You've got to build up your political social capital. You've got to make sure that you have a community that's at least on the same book, if not the same page. You know, and... I echo a lot of what they say, and I come to these conclusions mostly independently, but it's good to hear somebody out there has come to a similar conclusion or a like conclusion, and their methods for addressing it are, again, very similar. I have no problem taking ideas that I've heard that I agree with and putting them forth. And I've never, ever claimed that anything I say is original and unique to only me. And if I should ever think that I thought of something unique that nobody ever before in history has come up with, I'll tell you, and I'll be very happy about it. But I think the words of Solomon should take that away from me because there's nothing new under the sun. 
And I don't think any of these guys here would say that they have anything specifically unique or brand new that nobody else has ever thought of. We have to build upon what we know, our institutional knowledge. We need to work work towards solutions. We have to work to fix the situation we find ourselves in. So let me recap. Make sure you know what's real. Determine what matters for you. Use that as a reason for why you should be working or why you can be correcting this. And remember to stay awake to what's going on around you and don't worry about the woke. And with that, this was episode 261. And I say again, do me a favor, like, share, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. We are growing rather rapidly and I'd like to keep that up. At some point, I would love for the amount of angst that some local officials (laughs) feel when they see or hear from me, that that would create the same angst when somebody else said, oh, well, I heard this and they know in their soul where those ideas came from. I don't care if I get the credit or not. I just don't want it to be a unique one-off thing. I want us to be on a similar mindset that we can take our ideas, how to improve things, how to fix things, how to move forward and put the fear into the, uh, we'll just call it the deep state. We'll put the fear in them that we are fighting back, that we're not going to take it laying down and that we're not defeated. And we know we're not defeated. And with that, this was Courtney Callis. I will see you on the other side.